Urban Impact, a faith-based nonprofit located on the north side of Pittsburgh. We desire to see lives holistically transformed by the gospel, one person, one family, one block at a time through programs in athletics, education, options, and performing arts. Athletics is all about building relationships and uses sports like basketball, baseball, soccer, swimming, and football to draw kids in so we can share the love of Jesus Christ with them. We use sports to teach valuable skills like discipline and sportsmanship. Education not only focuses on helping students academically, but spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Through our tutoring center, summer day camp, literacy and math support programs, we desire to help students reach their full potential year-round. Options is all about preparing our kids for life after high school. We help our students get on what we call one of five buses, college, trade school, job, military, or ministry. Our goal is to see our seniors launch successfully into one of these areas after high school. Performing arts teaches students how we can redeem arts for Christ. We teach instrumental and vocal music, dance, theater, stagecraft, and traditional art discipline to show students that we can use art for His glory. Over the past year, we worked with 1,875 students, saw 613 people respond to the gospel, and served over 25,000 meals. So on behalf of the Urban Impact staff, students, and families we serve, thank you for making an Urban Impact. I think somebody just coached you to do that, okay? You know, before I start, I just got to say something about the, the children's choir. Weren't they not fantastic? Praise the Lord. I was just blessed. I mean, I was back there just, you know, praise the Lord. That was great. You know, if you want to encourage those kids really quick, we've got a couple of things you can do. Right here on uh, April 21st and 22nd, we're, we're going to do the showcase right here. You can be part of that. Also at Man Up, we're going to be doing Man Up on June 10th. Us guys, it's all about us guys helping us to love God, love our wives, love our kids, and impact the fatherless. You can do that on, on June 10th. Also, uh, Godspell, that's our musical. That's going to happen on August 3rd through the 6th and the 10th through the 13th. And when you come, you really encourage the kids. Plus, those are outreaches, and hundreds of people come to know Jesus Christ through that time. So I'd encourage you to bring some friends, come along, and participate. At Man Up i got to let you know that our own Alan Hanna will be preaching, so don't miss that. Yes, this is Urban Impact Sunday, and I'm, and I'm so thankful for the partnership that we had between ACAC and Urban Impact for over, over 28 years. That's over three, almost three decades that we've been communicating, demonstrating the gospel right here on the north side of Pittsburgh. And that got me thinking about how many years I've been locking arms with all of you. And it's over, over 37 years, almost four decades we've been working together. And it's, it's exciting. I'm so grateful to be part of it. Thank you. Yeah. I know I'm looking a little older, but, uh, you know, that's the way it is. You know, four decades, it's a long time. So are you looking a little older, too. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> it is really good to be here. You know, uh, I... When you think about that, over all the years that we've been working together, that means thousands of people. Think about it. Thousands of people have been touched, as well as you. ACAC, Urban Impact, doing what we've done. 
It's touched all our lives. It's impacted us. And I would love, truly, hear me when I say this, I would love to go to every one of you and thank you. I would love to put my arms around you. So could you do something for me? Would you mind? Would you please just stand? I'm not going to do anything weird, but just stand. (laughs) I can't come out there and do that. But I'm going to ask that you can just turn to the person on your right. You could shake their hand or you could hug them. But would you please look at them and say, thanks for making an urban impact. Would you do that? Thanks for making an urban impact. Very good. Well, today uh, I have the privilege and opportunity to open up the Word of God to you. We're going to be looking at a number of different passages. Remember I said passages, okay? Matthew, 20, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20 we're going to be looking at. Then we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And finally, we're going to conclude with John chapter 1, verse 14. And the title of my sermon is called Mission Possible. Can you say that with me? Mission Possible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for who you are. And I would just ask right now that you would forgive me and cleanse me of any sin, fill me with your spirit, speak through me to your people, and we as your people, we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, we would be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Again, we're talking about Mission Possible. Many of you have seen the movies Mission Impossible, starring Tom Cruise, But before there was Tom Cruise, there was actually a TV program called Mission Impossible. How many of you have seen that? Yeah, it's amazing how many folks have seen that. That went went from 1966 through 1973. And if you watch, whether you're watching the TV series or the movies, there was a famous statement that said before every program, before every TV show, before every movie, this is the statement. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. Your mission, your mission, should you choose to accept it. You know, all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ have been given a mission. And your mission, should you choose to accept it, is called the Great Commission. Now, this is a Christian Missionary Alliance church, so many of you know what the Great Commission is all about. But there might be a few of you that don't, so let me explain. To understand your mission, we first of all got to go back and understand the mission of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 19, 10 about himself. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. My question is, did Jesus Christ complete that mission? Did he complete the assignment that the Father had given to him? Absolutely. We know that he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he walked out of the grave. And because of that, now he has all authority to forgive you of your sin and to give to you eternal life. Why? Because he overcame death and sin. And the Bible says, anybody who calls upon his name, you will be saved. So he completed the plan of salvation for anyone who's willing to believe. But after his death and resurrection, he came to his disciples in John chapter 20, 21, and he said this. He said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Another way of saying that is the Father has given me the mission, I'm giving you the mission. And then he tells us the mission. He says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. 
In that passage, there is a commandment. And that commandment is found in two words. And those words are, make disciples. Can you say that with me? Make disciples. Notice that Jesus didn't say, just be a disciple. He said, be a disciple that makes disciples. See, Jesus is calling us to do the same thing he did. He came to multiply himself. He came to make disciples. So that's our calling. That's the mission that he's given every one of us. So how do you make disciples? How do you do that? Well, simply put, and let me say this, simply put, I could do a whole series on this, but because of time, let me just say this. It's taking what you've learned, what you know, and imparting it in somebody else. It's taking what you've learned and teaching somebody else. It's multiplying yourself. That's what Jesus Christ is calling all of us to do. Now, what you've learned today, if you take it, and you teach somebody, you're multiplying yourself. If you don't, then you're not. But remember this. Jesus didn't just give this mission to the disciples in the first century or to pastors or to missionaries or evangelists. He's given that to every believer, all of us. We're all called to go and make disciples. Also, I want to remind you that this is not an option. Jesus wasn't making a suggestion It's a commandment. This is what we are to be obedient to do. Now, with that being said, as followers of Jesus Christ, we know now that we are to make disciples. That's our mission. But he not only told us how to make disciples, but he told us where to go to do it. He says in Acts chapter 1, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying, go to your community. Your city, he's telling you to go to your nation and to the world, to be his witness. And I want to remind you, when Jesus Christ said these things to his disciples, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He went back to heaven. So this is some of the last words that Jesus says to his disciples. So what he was basically saying is this, hey boys, I'm counting on you to complete the mission. I'm counting on you to complete it. And what's amazing to me is the disciples did that. They did it. They went to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the world in their generation. Now the baton has been passed to you and to me. And we are now. It's our turn. Just as Jesus was expecting, anticipating, and commanding the disciples to go and make disciples, He's doing the same thing for us. The baton has been passed to us. Now it's our turn to do this in our generation. And I'm reminded of about a a fable that I've heard some time ago. And uh, it's talking about a story between Jesus and Gabriel. Gabriel and Jesus are having a conversation in heaven. Jesus is completed. He died on the cross. When raised again from the dead, he made it possible for anyone to be saved. So he completed the plan of salvation. And now he's sitting up at the right hand of the Father. Gabriel walks up and says, Jesus, us disciples, we've been talking about everything, and we're wondering, what's your plan? What's your plan? Now that you're in heaven, how is the mission going to be completed on the earth now that you're here? Do you have a plan? And Jesus looked at him and said, yeah, I have a plan. The plan is I'm I'm counting on my disciples to complete that mission. 
And Gabriel, he couldn't believe what he heard. He said, Jesus, you've got to be kidding, right? Now, look, we know that you know those disciples, but we know them too. And, and they're not very brave people. They weren't very educated. And a lot of times they failed. They weren't faithful. So wonder if they fail and they don't complete the mission, they don't do it. You've got to have a plan B, right? And Jesus looked at Gabriel and said, Gabe, there's no other plan. There's no plan B. They're all I got. I'm counting on them. I'm counting on them. Now, that's not a true story. It's a fable, but it's got a truth to it. And the truth is that Jesus is counting on you. Jesus is counting on me. He's counting on us to communicate and demonstrate the gospel to our generation. That's why we're left on the planet. That's the mandate of the church. That's a mandate for every believer to carry out that mission. And that's the privilege we've had together for all these years. Locking arms, transforming people's lives through the gospel. Thank God for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No, we have the privilege, yes, but we have the responsibility to do this, to communicate and demonstrate the gospel. And for 28 years, we've been doing that together. But this being Urban Impact Sunday, it's only appropriate that I explain to you how Urban Impact's been doing that right here on the north side. So we're talking about Urban Impact, how we've been doing that alongside of you right here in this community. Well, Urban Impact has been doing its very best to follow the model of Jesus Christ. The model is, is named by many theologians as this model, the incarnational model of evangelism. The incarnational model of evangelism. What does that mean? Well, the incarnational model is the way that God chose to draw near to mankind because man had sinned. He, all, he so loved us that he became one of us. He did this to build relationships with us who were lost. And he came to communicate and demonstrate the gospel. And the greatest illustration the greatest passage that illustrates this great truth is found in John chapter 1, verse 14. And it says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me break this down for us. We're going to look at three phrases. The first is this, the word became flesh. The second is dwelling among us. And third is full of grace and truth. Let's look, first of all, at the word became flesh. In the beginning of that verse, it says the word. The word is referring to Jesus Christ. Why do I say that? Because what it says in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Notice three words there. Word, word, word. That same word that's found in that text is, in the Greek is the same word that's used in our text. In John chapter 1, verse 14. The word is who? Jesus Christ. It goes on, verse 2. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
The word is Jesus Christ. Clearly, in the scriptures, the Bible teaches that God is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What this passage is teaching us is this, that the second person of the Godhead, God the Son, God, he came to the earth and took on flesh. In other words, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, became a human being. He became one of us. He was fully God. He was fully man. And the theologians call this the incarnation. The incarnation. So Jesus wasn't just a good man. Jesus was the one and only God-man. Remember, before Jesus Christ ever took on flesh, before he ever showed up, nobody in history had ever seen God. No one. So when Jesus took on the flesh, he became the visual and verbal illustration of the invisible God. Jesus came to communicate and demonstrate to the world who God is and what he's like. And he did this by showing and telling. Remember when you were in elementary school, you used to do show and tell? That's exactly what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to show us and tell us who God is and what he's like. And then he begins to proclaim the gospel. How you and I can have a relationship with, Jesus, with God through him in faith. But he does this. Listen to what he says in John chapter 10, verse 30. I and the Father are one. In John chapter 14, 9, he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. You watch me, I show you what God's like. As you listen to me, you find out what God is saying to you. I am show and tell. I have come to tell you this. And so the word became flesh, and he came to demonstrate to us and communicate, again, who God is, but also how we can have a relationship with God. So that's the word became flesh. Now let's look at the second phrase, dwelt or dwelling among us. What does that mean? The word dwelling or dwelt literally means to pitch a tent. What does that have to do with Jesus Christ? Pitching a tent. Everything. Look what it said. Let me, let me explain to you what it, what, what's going on in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel would find a place where they wanted to live, and they would set up camp. And every time they would do that, they would pitch a tent. That tent was called the tabernacle, a place where they would worship. And the Bible tells us that at times, God would descend upon that tent in the daytime in a cloud. And other times, he would come in a pillar of fire at night. And every time the people saw the cloud or the fire, they would know that God was with them. What the scriptures is teaching is that no longer is God going to come in a cloud or a tent. He's come in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why they called Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. With us. It helps us understand how he did ministry. See, Jesus didn't minister to us from a distance. He came up close and personal to minister. He came to build relationships. That's why he came. In other words, he didn't just commute from, from heaven to the earth one day and then shoot back up to heaven for the next six like most churches do. No, they just come in and worship on Sunday and then that's the end. No, Jesus came and he came to relocate himself. He came to live in the community. In other words, he became one of us and moved into the neighborhood to love us up close and personal so that he could earn the right to be heard, so that when people asked him for the reason of his hope, he could communicate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why he showed up. 
He showed up to set up his presence. So he came proclaiming, but he also came to set up his presence, which leads us to the last phrase that says, full of grace and truth. This is basically concluding what we've already known, what we've already seen. Jesus came to communicate and demonstrate the gospel. He came full of the truth to proclaim, and he came demonstrating, showing the grace. In other words, Jesus didn't just show up and start telling you how to love. He showed us how to love. He didn't just come telling us about how to forgive. He showed us how to forgive. He didn't just come talking to us about service. He showed us how to serve. He was constantly building relationships with people and being very practical, putting into practice what he was saying that we were to do. He was the model for all of us. How we're to do ministry, how we're to do outreach, how we're to live. And what we're doing now together is we are communicating and demonstrating the gospel in this neighborhood together. And that's what Urban Impact has been doing for 28 years. We've been doing our very best to flesh out the model of Jesus Christ. And that's why our staff is required to live on the north side. And that's why they raise their support. We call them to live in the community in which they serve. And we train them and equip them so that they can be in the community, so that they can build relationships, to love people up close and personal, to earn the right to be heard, so that when people ask them for the reason of their hope, they can tell them about the good news about Jesus Christ and how they can know that they're forgiven and heaven will be their home. We're here to make disciples that make disciples. That's what we've been doing. So as we've been doing this together, the next question would be, how impactful have we really been? How impactful have we been? Well, I can't go back 28 years. We'd be here for two weeks, okay? So I'm just going to jump back five years, go back five years, and show you very quickly synopsis of what's been going on in the last five years. But to do that, i got to jump back to where it all began. And back in, uh, in 1986, I came to Allegheny Centerline Church as the outreach pastor. And then in 1987, my wife Tammy and I got married, and we moved on to the north side. And my neighbor was Blaine and Lynn Workman. Pastor Blaine was my next-door neighbor. We, we renovated an apartment, both of us. That's a long story. Can't tell you about that one. But we, we did this. And uh, he was uh, running a, a business, a family business at that time, and I was here. Well, eventually, uh, he moved uh, to a place on the north side. I went around the corner, moved onto a street where four out of five homes were boarded up and unoccupied because that was the community that surrounded the church back in the 80s. And we renovated that place. And then about six years into the ministry, you've heard me say this many times, I walked out of my house and my car was stolen for the third time. And I remember looking down the street and saying to the Lord, Lord, can we make any kind of a difference here? And that's when the Lord spoke to me and he said, how do you eat an elephant? And I responded, one bite at a time. And, he, and this thought came right in my mind. If you be faithful to me, and you impact one person, then one family, then one block, we can transform the north side of Pittsburgh. And that's when Urban Impact was born in that moment. Yeah, praise to God. I came back, talked to Pastor Rock, talked to the leadership of the church. They were so excited. They said, Pastor Rick, go for it. Go get it done. In 1995, we started Urban Impact as an organization. In 2000, Tammy and I were commissioned by all of you to go to the north side and do the model of Jesus Christ. Now, let me fast forward. When I did this, when Tammy and I, that meant we had to raise our own support, 
and we had to move into, into the, stay moved into the community. I had no idea that people would do what Tammy and I were willing to do. I really didn't back in those days. But now let me fast forward. Show me the first slide. I'm going to show you a map. The first map is that you find Allegheny Center and then Tammy and I's house. So there we are, 1986. Now today, next slide, we have 40 missionaries living on the north side. Next map, there it is. All the white homes, all those white homes are representations of missionaries who either own their home or rent. But back five years ago, a lot of money was coming in from Atlanta, New York City, and Chicago, and they were buying up all kinds of land on the north side of Pittsburgh. And all of a sudden, housing and rent began to skyrocket five years ago on the north side. It was amazing. And our people couldn't afford to rent or, or buy homes on the north side. So Urban Impact stepped out in faith, and we bought seven homes so that our people could stay in the community and continue to flesh out the gospel before people. We bought these seven homes, renovated those homes so that our people can be there on the north side. Our desire, our goal is to buy five more homes, renovate those those homes so that our people can stay right here in this community so that we can minister. If you see it, there's a hole. You can see different holes on the north side. Our target group when we came here, we understood, was the north side. Let me remind you that north side used to be called Allegheny City in the 1800s. It was a small city. We realize now, after we studied, that the land on the north side, the land, just the land, is the same size, or about the same size, as the city limits of Erie, Pennsylvania. The population, about the size of Butler. So understand that when we're reaching the north side, we're reaching a very small city, but it is a city of tens of thousands of people living in 18 different neighborhoods. So right now, we're in 15 of those 18 neighborhoods, and over the years now, you can see, next slide, that now over the years, we build a lot of relationships with a lot of people, and we are working in and out of all kinds of buildings and organizations all week long. Not only here at Allegheny Center, but we're over in schools and churches and different organizations all over the north side. We're, we have got ourselves anchored into 15 of those 18 communities, and we're doing it through sports, education, arts, and options. And I'll tell you what, it's pretty, pretty exciting, but I want you to see something. When you look at the building there, it's called St. Matthew's. We bought that in 2019, not knowing and understanding that COVID was coming. And when we bought that building, we were very grateful because we put our arts in there. And during COVID, we began to do a lot of things online in order to minister to people. I want you to know, during that time, over 240,000 people watched what we were doing every week and during the weeks and the months right online, right here on the north side as well as around the world, to be honest. And over 791 people came to know Christ either online or during one of our performances in the last five years. That's a lot of folks. Just through the arts. Now let me say this to you. When 791 people, and I'm not counting all that happens in all the other programs, that's a lot of folks. And you know what? It is really, look at me, really hard work to take a new believer and disciple them. That's a lot of work. And we need people. Come alongside these children. You know, this, this past, just this Thursday, during the art program, 22 children came to know Jesus Christ. 22 people, kids. Praise the Lord. I can go on and on to tell you this. 
But we need folks to come alongside and disciple. We, we need literally 500 people a month to volunteer for our 60 different programs that we run in schools, outside of schools, throughout the north side. And we've been doing this together. And lives have been impacted. I hope you're encouraged today. I hope you see that God is at work. He's alive. He's doing stuff. Believe me. I would love to tell you that I don't have the time. In the last few years, not only are people coming to Christ, but people are finding healing. We're, we're seeing God do healings in our places where we're ministering. We're seeing people actually being delivered. God is alive, everybody. He is working through your prayers, through your lives, and what we're doing together here on the north side. But let me, let me close it out here. When we think about St. Matthew's, now you see there, there's a hole. You see that hole on the north side? We've been praying about that. We, we ended up buying two buildings. But before I show those to you, let me tell you why. In 2012, we were nominated to win an award. Uh, we didn't win it yet, but we were nominated. And the group that nominated us flew us down to, Tammy and I, down to Atlanta, Georgia, to a, a facility called Fox Theater, where this event was going to take place. Hundreds of ministries from all over the United States and in, in, the, in, in the world. And they're all in this theater. And, and the, the award, the major award, was for changing lives or transforming lives in a community. And Urban Impact won. And I was shocked. Now, I'm not trying to be humble. I mean, it really was. I, didn't, I couldn't figure out. There was ministries that were so much larger, so much more bigger than we were. I was shocked. So I asked that the committee meet with me. I said, let's meet. I got to figure this. I asked them, I said, why did we win? And they looked right at me and they said, Pastor Ed, we've done all their research and per capita, yeah, there's some bigger ministries, but per capita, you're transforming lives more effectively than anyone else. Praise the Lord. To God be the glory. But then the gentleman looked right at me and said, but don't die with what you've learned. Don't die with what you've learned. Well, we went back home. They gave us $75,000. We used that money to continue to train people like we've always had. How to transform lives in a urban community. Two years later, we got nominated again by another group, and they flew us to Atlanta to Fox Theater again for another award. This is Chick-fil-A. And Chick-fil-A, we won that award. And I, yeah, praise the Lord. Then I go to those, that fa the family, Kathy family, and I asked them, I said, seriously, why did we win? They said some wonderful things to us, and then they looked right at me, and they said, but Pastor Ed, don't die with what you've learned now I'm pretty thick but I got it that time and I came home and I told our folks we need to start praying because we might be training a bunch of people in Pittsburgh but apparently God has something else he wants to do so we started praying but we knew that we needed a building we needed a place where people could come from wherever they wanted to come from to live and be here for a while so we could train them we needed a dormitory well thank God to God be the glory we bought this building next slide and we bought it from the Pittsburgh Project it's a school and it's a dormitory the Pittsburgh Project is still doing ministry the last seven months with us it's been fantastic but we finally got the dorm that we needed to bring people to Pittsburgh so that we can train them in the ministry <laughs> praise the Lord 
and now, now we started a program called Urban Fellows. We've been doing that for a number of years. You come from one whole year. We'll train you. We'll equip you. And we've already done that with 40 different people. They've gone. They stayed in Pittsburgh. They've gone to other cities. And they've even gone internationally. But we also are working with colleges and seminaries right now, colleges and seminaries, talking about coming in for three months, six months, or a year, where they can come and stay with us, where we can train them and equip them. It's amazing what God is doing there. But then also we're going to open up our building that we can have short-term missions trips for men's groups, women's groups, youth groups, college groups, where you can come in for a whole week and do ministry or for a weekend. It's amazing. We have projects for men to come. We've got we to restore those buildings. We've got to restore these homes on the north side. It's an exciting time, guys. We've been praying and serving together for 28 years to see us impact the north side, and we are right there, man. There's still tens of thousands of people we still need to reach, but we're set up. We've got a hub that's being built right here. Praise the Lord. We've got another locations that we own. We're all over the north side. We get an opportunity to impact a small city. Do not let it go by. Do not. So how do you help us? Same way I've told you for many years. You got to pray, give, and go. Pray. Listen, simply just get the newsletter. Just get the news. We, we send it out four times a year. When you get that newsletter, you're going to be so encouraged about what God is doing. When I said that, I've had people line up with me and say, Pastor, how to get that newsletter? It's amazing. Get the newsletter. Sign up today. We got tables out here. You can go online, get it, start praying for it. Second, you can give. You can give right to the organization, give to missionaries. You can give. We need equipment that we have to purchase. You can also can give meals. We feed thousands of kids. Also, you can give right at your work. You can give through United Way. Just write in 9532, and that money will come right to us through United Way. Last but not least, you get to serve. You get to serve. Now, what we need is we need coaches. We need people for the arts, music people, singers, just people to be there with kids, people willing to disciple, mentor folks, run Bible studies. We need drivers. We move a lot of kids in a lot of places. We need people. We, you think about it. Just how much does it does it, when you're running 2,000 plus kids through program after program in schools, outside of schools, we need help inside the schools to tutor. We do that from 8.30 to 10.30 every day of the week. You can come. Look at me. Look right here. Those of you that are retired, don't retire, rewire. Don't retire, rewire. Come back and, and continue to build the kingdom. We're looking at economic development. We want to do some things on the north side where we can not only give jobs, but we can own businesses where we can produce money so that we can do ministry together. We're talking about all this kinds of stuff. And if you'd like to come be part of it, we're going to train people this coming Tuesday. This coming Tuesday up at Christ Church of Grove Farm. I can't wait for the hub to come because then we can keep all of our trainings right here. But we're going to be up there. We're going to train you. If you want to sign up, just go sign up and come join us. My last thing to you is this. In all the years I've been here, the need that's going on in the last two to three years is greater than I've ever seen it before. And I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just telling you the truth. The children and the youth that we're working with, I don't know if it's because of COVID. They've been out of schools for 18 months. I don't, there's so much there. If you love children and you love young people, you can all pray. You can all give, but we need some folks just to show up to help us. Pray about that. Look, 
we as pastors, we love you. We think you're the best. It's been a privilege and honor. serve the Lord Jesus Christ with you. Thank you. Thank you. I couldn't do it. Sorry. Sorry I couldn't pray there. I apologize. Let's stand for the benediction. You are the best, church. I echo that. Listen, a benediction is simply a blessing. Uh, let me offer this blessing to you. And in doing so, let me remind you of what we learned from the children who sang for us earlier. Fear is not your future, church. It's not our future. He is. Receive the blessing. May the blessings of God rest upon you this week. And may his grace go before you throughout this week, lifting your eyes to see his hope and his future for you. And may God's spirit empower you to be all that he wants you to be, to represent him well, and to go about the business of serving him and making disciples. God bless you, church. Have a great week serving the king.